This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Thursday, March the 24th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. And we start with the moment a man was tasered and punched in the face by police, who unlawfully entered his home in Sheerness. That's officers trying to get into Bob White's property on Park Road in February 2019. Right, you are under arrest for an affray. You do not have to say anything, but it may be an offence if you fail to mention when questioned, someone should later on in court. If you do say that, you've never to try and attempt to hurt officers again. Do you understand me? Right. He was trying to stop it from being repossessed, but was finally arrested on suspicion of a fray, where the 62-year-old has now been cleared of any wrongdoing. Maidstone Crown Court heard that officers had gone into the defendant's home unlawfully and were essentially trespassing. The judge said to an Englishman, a home is like his castle, and he was entitled to force him out with reasonable force. Well, the jury took just 40 minutes to return a unanimous verdict of not guilty, and more than 20 supporters claimed the judge out of court. Well, Bob has spoken to the Kent Online podcast about the whole experience. I really can't remember too much about it because uh, when you've got 50,000 volts going into your body, uh, it's hard to know what's going on. But I, I, I do remember I was trying to pull the, the wires out, but that's when the police come in. Uh, they, they grabbed hold of me, moved me out to the, the other side of the room, and the sergeant angrily punched me twice in the face and they got me on the floor. Uh, The sergeant was on my back and I I wasn't resisting arrest or anything like that. And I I didn't intend uh, hurting anyone. And they they cuffed me and that was it. I was was arrested. And from the time they actually, I actually noticed them at the window, the police officers and the rest of the, their, uh, the bailiffs and all that. Uh, it's probably no more than five or six minutes when I was cuffed behind the back. I mean, you were you were obviously cleared of, of doing nothing wrong, whereas what the police did was unlawful in the way that they you know broke yeah. in and, and 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 tasered you. I mean, how how did, you know a few years on now, like looking back on it, how? What are your feelings towards the way that the police reacted and, and, and did what they did? Uh, well, obviously, at the time, I was very angry when I realised there was a police breaking in. Uh, even the bailiffs weren't allowed to break in. They seem to think they are sometimes, and I've seen quite a few cases, and I've got friends who've had the same, been in the same situation. But the police seem to get away with it. And have you received a personal apology at all yet? Or do you expect that that's something you should be given at least? Well, I should be given, yeah. At the moment, obviously, the trial only finished yesterday. So, uh, no, I've heard nothing from them at the moment, no. 
I'm going to leave it till next week and see if I do uh, get any uh, contact from the police or uh, um, some sort of explanation of uh, <laughs> or an apology or whatever. I'm going to leave it till next week before I decide uh, how I'm going to go ahead. Is uh, you know taking legal action you know something that you'd consider? I mean, presumably you you want them to be held accountable for what they've done. Well, yes, they they should definitely be held accountable. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'll say I'm, I'm going to leave it till next week and just just see if they do. Uh, get in contact with me. You can see the full footage from the police body cam showing them entering the property within the story at Kent Online. Kent Online News. The girlfriend of a man who died while working on a huge housing development in North Kent has paid tribute to her kind-hearted partner. Liam McArdle was killed when a large piece of machinery rolled off a trailer and crushed him at the site in Ebbsfleet Quarry. An inquest into the 24-year-old from Gravesend's death has concluded it was an accident. A sitting-born man who used Facebook to groom six children has been jailed. Stephen Borman sent indecent images of himself to underage teenagers and told one not to tell her mum. The 39-year-old, who doesn't have a permanent address, has been locked up for 16 months. A week after P&O ferries between Dover and Calais were suspended and nearly 800 workers sacked without notice, the boss of the company has told MPs he'd do the same thing again. Peter Hebblethwaite has been giving evidence to a committee who are investigating whether the redundancies were legal. He's confirmed unions were not consulted before staff were dismissed, but reiterated they'll be compensated. We thought long and hard about the routes to this, and we did consider every single option available to us, and we concluded that every single option available to us would result in the closure of P&O. So there's absolutely no doubt that we were required to consult with the unions. We chose not to do that and we will com- and we are and will compensate everybody in full for that. As a minimum we will pay £15,000. We recognise we did a very, very difficult thing. We recognise money isn't everything but we do want to compensate people fully and I absolutely want to be focused on getting them all new jobs. He's also been asked about how much the replacement crew will be paid. The rates that we're paying are in line or above ITF minimum standards and it is the operating model that the vast majority of operators across the globe work to. So this is the competitive standard. So the average hourly rate of pay is £5.50. So on the routes that are international routes that are governed by ITF standards, we are paying above ITF minimum wages. And on our domestic route, which I think was referenced earlier, Lyon Cairn Ryan, where we are governed by national minimum wage, of course we are paying national minimum wage. The seafarers who join us are international <coughs> professional seafarers with all the international certification. These are these are experienced seafarers. MPs also questioned him about whether the government was given any kind of warning about the change to P&O Ferry's operation model. I can share my understanding, uh, but I wasn't at the meeting. Uh, so I believe that on the 22nd of November, the Secretary of State for Transport was visiting Dubai and at Expo he met with uh, some of the DP World exec team and uh, as, as part of a broader ranging discussion, which included ongoing investment in the British economy, the subject of P&O ferries was brought up and that we would be needing to make some changes to our business this year. Beyond that, I can't confirm. All I can say is that at that point in our planning, 
we hadn't finalised our plans, so I doubt any conversation went further than that, but I don't know. And finally, he was asked about how the company can recover its badly damaged reputation and whether he has any regrets about the way this has all been handled. The reaction to this has been extremely strong. There's no question about that, and I, I, I do regret that, and I recognise it. I really, really do recognise it, but there was no P&O without the changes that we needed to make. So um, we anticipated this would be very difficult, very controversial. And I think we've got a tough job to do now to rebuild the business, but I think a P&O with a future and a P&O that is able to uh, be competitive, pay its own bills and offer the customer service that is uh, required has a much better chance. Did you change anything, knowing what you know now, what you did last Thursday? That's a really, really difficult question. The business would close. The business was not viable. This is the only way for us to save this business, and we have moved to a model that is internationally recognised and widely used across the globe and by our competitors. I... Um, I would make this decision again, I'm afraid. Well, the Transport Secretary has said measures will be introduced to prevent workers from being sacked and exploited in the way P&O Ferries staff were. Grant Shapps admits there's been a gap in legislation. Finally today, we can hear from Alan Bogg, who's a Professor of Labour Law at the University of Bristol. He also gave evidence to that committee of MPs earlier. On what I know, there's absolutely... I'm going to say no doubt, that wouldn't be true. There's very little doubt in my mind uh, that what has occurred involves multiple breaches of uh, labour legislation. So the collective redundancy provisions, uh, unfair dismissal, uh, perhaps uh, discrimination law, uh, and I could go on. Uh, so I think in legal terms, um, what happened was so blatant and so outrageous uh, that there can be very little argument about whether the law covered it. The key issue is an issue of remedies and a lack of effective remedies in situations of this nature. And for me, that should be the focus for the government as it now looks at P&O within the wider context of an enforcement crisis in UK employment law. Well, you can read the very latest on this story and let us know what you think by commenting at Kent Online. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. More than £400,000 in cash has been seized by police during a series of raids across Kent. Officers also found more than 40 luxury watches, two cars, designer goods and art after searching properties as part of a major fraud investigation. Those targeted were also suspected of supplying cocaine. Homes were searched in Medway, Tunbridge and Tunbridge Wells, Ashford, around Gravesend and Whitstable. Part of the operation also took place in London, Sussex, Essex and Suffolk. This is Assistant Chief Constable Andy Pritchard. These people have been operating in a very complex, sophisticated method, um, trying to uh, lie below the eye of the HMRC and, and indeed Kent Police on this occasion. Um, what they've done has amassed them an enormous amount of wealth, which they've been living um, the, the enjoyment of that wealth in the way they've led their lifestyles. But the reality was in the background, um, you cannot hide. We can chase the money. We 
we can follow those trails and we've been able to really identify exactly what has been going on, uh, working really closely to unpack the whole network um, and what we believe we've done is really now dismantled uh, that significant criminality and those people frankly will be hopefully facing um, a significant sentence if and when found guilty and at the end of that will be very difficult for them to actually pursue um, any lifestyle that requires money because of the scrutiny they'll be under from both us but also um, the government. How important is it to you um, and, and to the general public for somebody looking at this thinking you know this has no impact on their life how important is it that you do dismantle these groups? So, so listen we these groups operate in a way that whilst you and I as an individual may not feel the individual the, 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 the pinch um, on your purse, on your income, um, the amount that these people are taking is a, is a massive insult. When you look at the number of people that have been struggling uh, through the Covid era, um, struggling financially, these people have really, really just been taking the mickey out of the public, out of the government, out of the opportunities that the government have been putting together in order to help people survive through this period. They've been exploiting that for absolutely purely financial gain uh, and at the same time distributing class A drugs um, which are enormously of course harmful uh, both to drug users and the wider community in the way that such distribution supply exploits vulnerable people. A man's died after falling onto railway tracks near Folkestone Central Station. Emergency crews were called to the scene yesterday and trains were unable to run for some time. The man was taken to hospital but later passed away. A person's been treated for breathing in smoke following a flat fire in Broadstairs. Three fire engines tackled the flames after being called to the high street at around 10 this morning. It's not known yet how it started. A month on from the start of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and a Kent man who's been delivering aid has told the Kent Online podcast it's the Dunkirk of our time. Kevin Tremaine lives in Boxley in Maidstone and has taken a camper van loaded with supplies to a Red Cross tent at the Ukrainian border for a second time. He and his friend also took six refugees to accommodation in Germany and Poland. And they're planning to go to Ukraine again with more supplies. Well, Kevin's been updating the podcast on his latest journey. Erwin, my friend, decided that we should go over the border this time. So we actually queued to take stuff into the border. He thought, he, he thought it might be more beneficial to get stuff like directly, um, other than like dropping it at like a, a point where we went last time. We thought we'd go over. So that... Um, Literally took sort of three to four hours of queuing, talking to people, crazy amount of paperwork, trying to get it sorted. Nobody there was could could help speak English. We were like in a, lot, a queue of like other people, perhaps not um, aid donators. They were just kind of going in. We were just in the same queue. There's nothing set up for us to like be in a separate line because we want to go in and come out again. So it was a very complicated process. On the border, there was nobody speaking like the English to help you get your kotchka. Um, nobody helping to tell you what to do. And you felt like a bit of an imposter. They didn't actually like, you know, I felt like, you know, I, I wasn't wanted there sort of thing as a feeling, but it's, very, it's a different culture. And like, anyway, so um, where was I then? Oh, I... I they realised what I wanted to do, so one of them jumped in with me, literally 200 metres I went, and there was a Red Cross tent. Now, I had, like, wheelchairs, crutches, I had medicines and things, so they they were delighted. Um, one of them saw my generator, and which was my my generator I carry, carries a backup on the camper, and he's, like, said, like, I said, 
take it. <laughs> he said, he said, it's gold. I said, take it. So he took my, took my generator, completely emptied the vehicle. They were very grateful. So great. I'll, off I go. Kent Online reports. Some students at the University of Kent say they're reaching breaking point following a series of teaching strikes and marking boycotts. There have been 10 walkouts over the last five years and lecturers announced they wouldn't be doing any grading or assessments at the start of this month. Staff are worried about compulsory redundancies and issues with pay. The uni insists they're working to minimise disruption. £100 fines could be given to anyone being antisocial on beaches in Whitstable and Herne Bay. If given the go-ahead... A nine-mile stretch of coastline will be covered by the new rules, which prevent glass bottles and disposable barbecues being taken onto beaches. People caught riding bikes or jet skis dangerously would also be given a fixed penalty notice. Now, a controversial e-scooter trial in Canterbury has been extended as the number of people using the vehicles, we're told, has quadrupled. The government-backed hire scheme launched by the county council was due to end this month but will now run until November. It comes despite Kent's police and Crime Commissioner again calling for e-scooters to be banned after they were linked to more than a dozen deaths. A landlady is hoping to prevent a pub near Canterbury from being turned into houses. Developers want to convert the two doves in Nunnery Fields, which has been empty since 2019. Documents given to the City Council say there's no real prospect of it being able to trade viably again, but Katrina McLean reckons that's not the case. She's put in three bids to buy the building, but so far they've been rejected. And finally today, we've been given a sneak peek inside the world's first purpose-built multi-storey skate park ahead of its opening in Folkestone next month. The F51 Urban Sports Centre has three floors, a boxing gym and the tallest climbing wall in the southeast. Alex Frost is from the Sports Trust, which is behind it. F51 as a skate park will actually bring people from all over the world. They will travel. Um, skate tourism is a huge thing. Same with BMX tourism. Uh, you, Your current surroundings grow stale. You want to find somewhere new to ride, somewhere new to skate. So um, naturally, people travel. And I think Folkestone is now going to become one of those destinations that we have people travelling all over the world for. There's nothing else like this in Kent. Um, so already, instantly, it's become a, a massive sort of focal point for Kent alone. But on a national level, there's so many never been done before. Firstly, the fact that we are a purpose-built multi-storey skate park with three levels of skate park floors, that's never been done. We've also got a suspended concrete bowl, um, that's never been done. So it's all of these worlds first and a chance to sort of um, be part of this groundbreaking and iconic building. The amount of skate and BMX tourists, as touched on, that will come down um, as a result of it will be massive. I think also for families coming down, where skateboarding and BMXing are going for a huge boom at the moment, um, particularly with skateboarding in the Olympics, um, it's only natural that I think they're, it's getting the recognition, the recognition that it deserves. Alex was speaking there to our colleagues from KMTV and they were also able to catch up with architect Guy Holloway. Uh, Sir Roger Dehaan uh, is the ex-Saga boss who has invested a huge amount into Folkestone, had an opportunity to buy this site. And he said to me, Guy, uh, look, I'm thinking about buying this part of Folkestone. What do you think? And I said, uh, I said, look, I think maybe we should knock it down. It's not such a... So, well, what should we put there? And uh, he said, uh, he said, well, look, we, we need some car parking for the town. And uh, I said, well, look, maybe I could design a multi-story car park. And so we looked at that, and he thought that was a bit boring, which it was. And there was a skate park on the beach that needed to be moved. 
So uh, he said, why didn't you look at seeing how you could integrate that into the car park? So I did that and I showed him that and he said, well, these cars are boring. So uh, from there, uh, he said, maybe we could just look at putting skate on every floor. And this idea of uh, the world's first multi-story skate park came from there. It is a huge project, but not only is this a building for the community, but it is for entry level, but it's also international competition. So that means it will attract people nationally and internationally. And uh, the whole project cost uh, 17 million. That's a huge investment. And that's an investment in young people. It's investing in the town and it's saying, young people, you're the most important people in this town. You're the future of this town and this building is for you. You can watch their video report and see pictures from inside the skate park by heading to the Folkestone pages of Kent Online. Kent Online Sport. Cricket and Kent Zach Crawley has been back in action for England on day one of their third and final test with the West Indies. He scored a century during their first test but failed to replicate the same form in the second and was out for a duck in the first innings. Both matches ended in a draw. This test is taking place in Grenada. Meantime, England have beaten Pakistan to move a step closer to securing a place in the semi-finals of the Women's World Cup. They bowled out their opponents for just 105 runs in Christchurch before chasing down their target inside 20 overs. Kent's Tammy Beaumont only managed to score two runs. They'll go through to the knockout stages if they beat Bangladesh on Sunday. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus you can get access to the ad-free Kent Online site by heading to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone offering a range of new and approved used cars including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.